You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, well, let's pray and let's get into the Word tonight. I am ready. How about you? Yes, sir. Yes. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being so good to us. Thank you for all that you've done for us in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for all that he's bought and paid for, what he's provided for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you that we are born again. Thank you that we are washed in the blood and we are redeemed tonight. And Father, we thank you that we can gather together around your word and that father we can receive from it we can be taught by it and we thank you for the ministry of the holy spirit that he is our teacher he is the one that is assigned to bring revelation to us and so we release our faith right now and believe to be taught and to receive from what you have for us tonight and we thank you for it lord we believe ahead of time that we'll be changed And again, we'll not just be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of it as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, I'll meet you. You go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8, and I'll meet you there in just a few minutes. But uh, this is week number 10 in our series, talking about understanding the times and the seasons of the Lord, and really... What this series is all about is walking in the perfect will of God, walking in the the plan of God for our lives. And I believe that is possible. I believe that it is uh, God's desire for us to walk in his will. And, you know, we've been looking at some scriptures. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, Uh, Paul wrote, and he said this, he said that we need to understand and firmly grasp what the will of God is. And then Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says that, that we ought to walk in the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom. The Amplified Bible says, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. And so God's plan is to reveal his will to us, and then we in obedience can walk that will out, walk his plan out for our lives. And you know, the reality is we do have a choice in it. We can decide whether we're going to obey God or not, or we can decide, you know, hey, I'd rather do my own thing. And you know what? God will let you choose that. However, uh, I heard it said, and I, you know, again, I want to, I think I've mentioned this, but it's very important. Let me say this. The the most dangerous place you can be is outside of the will of God for your life. The safest place you can be is inside the will of God for your life. Walking out the will of God for your life is the safest place because that's where God's blessing, that's where his provision and favor is, is in his will and in his plan for our lives. And so, We began last week talking about some things to get very, very practical with this. And, uh, you know, how do I walk in the will of God? And so how do I, first of all, how do I understand what the will of God is for my life? And so we began breaking this down. 
I gave you a couple of things to um, facts that we need to establish. <coughs> Excuse me. And number one is this. You need to understand that you are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. So you are a spirit being. You're created in the likeness and image of God. Jo Jesus said in John chapter 4, that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you're created in God's image and God's likeness, then you are a spirit being as well. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he said, I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. And so you're made up of those three parts and the spirit is who you really are. You, that is the core of your being. Um, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your, your flesh body is just simply what you move around in, in order to function here in the earth. But it's very important that you understand that. And we, we said last week that the part of us that was born again when we received Christ is our spirits. Your, your flesh wasn't made new. Your soul wasn't made new. It was your spirit that was recreated the moment that you gave Jesus your heart, that you surrendered your life to him and asked him to come into your heart and made him the Lord of your life. That is when you were born again. That's when you were made alive unto God. Now, we have a responsibility as to what happens to our souls and what happens to our bodies. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul said uh, that for brothers, I plead with you that you give your body as a living sacrifice. So that's what we do with our bodies. We sacrifice them symbolically to the Lord, making them available to the Lord for his use. And then Romans 12, 2 Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So a good way to understand it is this. Your spiritual condition is set. When you are born again, spiritually, you are sound, you are complete. Now you need to grow spiritually, but we have the responsibility to do something with our souls, to renew our minds, and then we have a responsibility to bring our flesh in control of our spirit. And uh, that is the process that we begin to walk in in our spiritual growth. And so as you grow spiritually and, and uh, as you mature in the things of God, your mind becomes renewed. You begin to think more and more like God thinks and uh, you make decisions the way God makes decisions and, and, in line with his will, plan, and purpose. Your emotions don't control you. Their, their emotions are, are great. They're what God gave us, but they're not designed to control us. Uh, and as you grow and mature, you learn to uh, control your emotions, change your thinking. And then lastly, we deal with our flesh bodies. We deal with the desires of our flesh, and we don't let those desires control us. So that's the first thing that you need to grasp in order to walk with God is that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. The second thing that you need to understand is God by the Holy Spirit lives in you. 
God by the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit lives in you. He lives in that recreated spirit. <clears throat> First John uh, chapter four tells us that whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Now, the reason that I emphasize that is because a lot of times believers miss God. We, we, misinterpret what the will, plan, and purpose of God is for our lives because we look for God to lead us out here in the natural, out here in the exterior, if you will, when really we ought to be looking inward. We ought to be looking in our spirits where he lives. And, uh, you know, we said this, Proverbs 20, 27 says that the spirit of man is the lamp or the light of the Lord. That's where, <coughs> pardon me, that's where, hold on a minute. Had to drink to that. Uh, <laughs> so the human spirit is where God is going to bring light. That is where he is going to bring illumination. That's where the Holy Spirit brings revelation to us is in our spirit. So not to say that God won't use some natural external things to confirm something for you, but listen to this, and, and this will do you good if you'll learn this. You know, prophecy, uh, words of knowledge, all of those things are, are wonderful. We thank God for them. But if somebody has a word from God for you and speaks into your life, it ought not bring revelation per se. It ought to confirm what God has already said to your spirit, particularly where it pertains to direction for your life. You know, if God's, you know, if somebody comes to you and says they have a word for the Lord and that uh, word from the Lord, rather, and you're supposed to go do thus and so, uh, it ought to confirm something you already have in your spirit. I remember a number of years ago, uh, you know, I, I hadn't been pastoring too terribly long, just a couple of years. And a dear brother, he meant well, but he came to me uh, during a men's meeting that we were having, and he uh, prophesied over me and said that uh, I would be moving out into the apostolic and leaving our church and going and establishing other works. And uh, there is no way, shape, or form I had that in my spirit. And so, you know, I thanked him. I was kind, and, and I didn't, you know, rebuke him or anything like that. But the thing that, that, that you have to do when that happens is if it doesn't confirm what's already in your spirit, just do away with it or, you know, or put it on the back burner. And if it's something that God brings up again later, then that's fine. But... Uh, do not start making decisions and orienting your life based on that. Always make decisions and orient your life based on what God is ministering to you in your spirit. Now, <clears throat> we be began talking about your recreated spirit is a safe guide for you to follow. Your recreated spirit is a safe guide for you to follow. And so we began talking about how God will do that in your spirit, how he will lead you. Well, the first way he's going to do it is through the written word of God. 
Uh, again, God is never, ever going to instruct you to do something that would violate his written word. I don't care what it is. I don't care who says it. Uh, it, it will never violate the written word of God. You know, I've uh, heard this before. I've, I've never personally experienced this, but, uh, you know, I know of examples where uh, people, there were people who were married and God supposedly spoke to the spouse and said, you're supposed to divorce this one and go and marry this person that they hardly knew in this other situation. And, uh, and I think in this particular situation, the other person was married. So you had two spouses that were married and this one person got it in their heart that they were supposed to divorce their current spouse and go and marry this other spouse. And uh, I can tell you without contradiction, that is not God. God does not instruct you to commit adultery on your spouse and go and hook up with somebody else's spouse. God does not move that way. And so if anybody comes up and prophesies that over you, throw it away, forget it and go on and don't, don't orient your life. Don't start making decisions based on that. Okay. So Again, a lot of direction that we that we need for our lives. If we will just spend time in the Word of God, we can we can make decisions based on the information that we already have. And uh, you know, there there are some specific details that aren't addressed by the written Word of God, but that's where we will follow and and listen to the Holy Spirit in our own spirit. Now. The first way is going to be through the written word of God. The second way is going to be through the inward witness, the inward witness. God is going to lead you through and by primarily the inward witness. And if you remember last week, I said to you, these are in the order of importance or uh, regularity as far as what you need to follow. Number one is going to be the inward witness. And so I had you turn to Romans chapter eight. So look at Romans chapter eight and verse 16. Romans eight and verse 16 says this, the spirit himself <clears throat> bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit will bear witness with you that you are born again, that you are a child of God. Now, I want to point out a couple of things about this particular verse. Paul said this, the Spirit himself bears witness, not with your head, not with your flesh, but with your spirit. So the witness, the, the bearing witness is going to take place in your spirit. Now, I said this to you last week, if, if God will bear witness in our spirits about being born again, which is the most important decision we could ever make in our lives, then he will bear witness in your spirit about other decisions that you need to make as well. And I'm telling you, uh, you know, and I haven't by any stretch arrived at this, I'm still growing in this just like we all are, but if you will learn how to follow that inward witness, I promise you it will help you avoid 
a whole lot of hurt, a whole lot of harm, a whole lot of wasted time, and uh, just save you a whole lot of heartache, okay? So God's Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are His children. Now, we looked at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, which says, and let the peace of God rule, and the Amplified says, act as an umpire continually in your heart. So the, the Holy Spirit will bear witness in one of two ways. Number one, through peace. He will lead and guide you through peace. So he will <clears throat> reveal to you peace in your heart when you are faced with the decision. So if you have a, let's say you have a fork in the road, you can go in A or you can go in B. One of those, the Holy Spirit will give you a peace over in your heart if that's the direction that you're supposed to go in. The other way that he will minister to you is he'll bear witness in your spirit that it is a wrong decision. In other words, there will be an absence of peace. And you need to understand the difference between the two, what that peace is like. It's it's a, a, a warm, peaceful knowing. Uh, you know, I, I, I lack words to express it. And then if it's uh, something that you're not supposed to do, it, it's just a, uh, a scratchiness down here in your spirit. It's like uh, fingernails on a chalkboard, if you will. Uh, again, I, you know, I lack English words to be able to describe it, but you know that you know <clears throat> that it is the right or wrong decision. Now, I want to show you something. Uh, go over with me. This isn't in your notes, but just make note of this scripture. Go with me to Acts, the 27th chapter, please. Acts 27. And I want to show you something that, of course, Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote Romans 8, 16. Uh, but I want to show you him actually walking this out. Okay. And so in Acts 27, let me give you a little background. Paul has pled his case and has uh, appealed to Caesar to be taken to Rome to go to Caesar uh, because Paul was a Roman citizen. And uh, so to uh, be tried, if you will, on the charges that he was being charged with, he appealed to Caesar. So the automatic thing was for a Roman citizen is they could appeal to Caesar and they could go to Rome and be heard by uh, the Roman government. And so Paul made that appeal. And so they had arrested him, but they were transporting him from where he was in the Ephesus area, and they were taking him to Rome. And so he gets put on a ship. And so in Acts 27 in verse nine, it says, now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive, underline that word perceive, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Now notice Paul did not say, I've had a vision. Uh, he did not say, I've had an angel appear to me. He didn't say he had a burning bush experience. He just simply said, I have this perception where in his spirit that the voyage was in danger, that there was 
uh, great harm. He, using his words, he said, this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. And so Paul was faced with knowing this. And so the only thing he could do was present it to the people who were in charge. And he did. And they rejected the advice that he gave them and they pressed on. And you, of course, can read the end of the story that exactly what Paul uh, described happened, except for the loss of life. Paul uh, did later on, after he had had this uh, encounter with them before they left, an angel did appear to him and tell him that, that the lives would not be lost. The ship would be lost, the cargo would be lost, but none of the lives would be lost. And of course, we know that happened. But my point is this, Paul had a knowing in his spirit, something is not right. This voyage is not going to go well. It's going to end with great loss. Now, <clears throat> here's my point. Just like the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit and give you peace regarding a correct and proper direction for your life to go, he will also warn you the same way of impending danger for your life. He might be trying to warn you to change your plans, to alter the direction that you may be going. And, uh, you know, there have been times and uh, where I've gotten in the car and, and was going to go a certain place and, and follow the same path that I have driven many, many, many times. And, and I have learned over the years that in my spirit, it'll just rise up and I'll have a knowing in my spirit, don't go that way, go an alternate route. And it might take a little bit longer, might be out of my way a little bit, <clears throat> pardon me, but I uh, have learned to follow that. And there have been many times when I followed it and I don't know if there was something that happened, uh, you know, but there have been a couple of times when I have found out that the, the Lord was simply just trying to save me some time because there was a bog down in traffic or maybe an accident had happened or something along that line. And so we need to learn to follow those things. And a lot of times it will happen and, and the Holy Spirit is just really seeing if you will yield to him in those moments, if you will, there may not be anything big that's going on, but he's just wanting to see if you will remain sensitive to that and follow his direction. Because this is, again, the primary way that the Lord is going to lead you is through this inward witness. So I always tell people, especially based on Colossians 3.15, Follow the peace of God. Follow the peace of God. And so if you learn to do that, it'll keep you safe. The third way that the Lord is going to lead you is through the inward voice of your recreated spirit. The inward voice, or it might be also called the voice of your recreated spirit. Sometimes we call this our conscience. Now, the conscience and the inward witness are closely related, but they're not the same thing, okay? The inward witness is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. Your conscience is your spirit speaking to you. 
Your conscience is what is by the Spirit of God. The conscience is what uh, is trying to lead and guide us and give us direction just by, again, a little stronger knowing in our hearts. Now, we need to establish this. We said this, I believe, last week, and that is this. You know, I hear people say that the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin and blah, blah, blah. The Holy Spirit does not convict the believer of sin. Your spirit convicts you of sin. Okay? 1 John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, John wrote, and he said, If our conscience convicts us, then we know that God is greater than our conscience, and he knows everything. And so, my dear friends, if, consci if our conscience does not condemn or convict us, then we have confidence, the Bible says, or courage in God's presence. So when you sin and you know that you have done wrong, that is your conscience convicting you of that sin. Now, the Holy Spirit, his job is to convict unbelievers of their sin and their need for Jesus. That's what Jesus said in John 16, verses 7 through 9. He said that when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, and he will convict them of sin because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts unbelievers of sin. Now, why is that? Well, they're not born again. They don't have the, the God living on the inside of them. And their spirits aren't made new, so their spirits can't convict them of sin. Their spirits are still dead. But your spirit is alive and able to minister to you and convict you of sin. Now, go over with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, please. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, this is something that's very, very important. 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it from the New King James, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified. <clears throat> says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having, listen to this, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, I was watching a, a Western, a John Wayne movie the other night, and uh, love John Wayne uh, Westerns, and uh, one of his sidekicks, he, he had a man that was uh, traveling with him who got shot in the shoulder, and no, excuse me, got uh, stabbed with a knife in the shoulder, and uh, so to stop the bleeding, what they did is they heated up a knife blade in the fire till it was red hot and then laid it on that wound. And what that does is that sears that wound and keeps it from uh, be becoming infected and stopping the, the bleeding, so to speak. And so I say that, and every time I see that in a movie, no matter if it's a John Wayne picture or not, I think about this scripture, but notice what he said. And let me read it to, the, uh, to you out of the Amplified. But the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in latter times, some will turn away from the faith, 
giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach through the hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared or cauterized, the Amplified says. Same thing. What happens is people begin to entertain these deceiving thoughts and lies that these evil spirits are presenting to them, and they think about it, and they meditate it on, an, on it enough that sooner or later their consciences become cauterized, and the Holy Spirit is no longer able to minister to them. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking right now of a very, very well-known minister back in the early 90s who was very prevalent and uh, very effective. I mean, just an awesome man of God and uh, was responsible even for helping launch some ministries of some people that I could call their name and you would know exactly who I'm talking about. But somewhere along the line, this particular minister uh, began to listen to teaching that uh, opened the door to him actually standing up and declaring uh, what is called the, the doc universal doctrine of inclusion and essentially what this what he's preaching now is there's no such thing as hell and that that uh everybody is saved that Jesus paid the price for everybody so everybody is saved and everybody is going to heaven no matter you know what kind of lifestyle you live no matter what you do here in the earth and so forth and so on and you know, you step back from that and you go, well, how can somebody who was so mightily used by God, so powerfully anointed by God and so effective in ministry, how can he now be declaring these things to where uh, he's even been, been denounced by his own denomination? He's all these ministers that he helped launch have had to turn their backs on him and publicly uh, declare that they're no longer affiliated with him. It's just a sad situation. So what brings somebody to that place? Well, you begin to entertain those thoughts outside of the word of God, and you meditate on them long enough, and it sears your conscience, and you no longer are convicted that what you're saying and doing is wrong. I mean, he believes what he preaches as much as I believe what I preach. And uh, so, again, and, and, you know, the Bible says that, I believe it was Jesus said that in the last days, even the very elect will be deceived and drawn away. And so my point is this. It's very, very important uh, for us as believers to remain tender-hearted so that we will always be aware of the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives, and so you and I will not be drawn away by things like what I just mentioned and, you know, lies and deceptions that the enemy wants to bring into our lives. So again, your conscience is the voice of your spirit, and it is your conscience that will relate to your mind what the Spirit of God is saying to you, okay? So it's very important that you, you keep a tender heart. Now, somebody says, well, how do you do that? Well, one of the ways that you do it, probably the main way that you do it is if you miss it. 
If you sin, repent immediately. Don't let it linger. Don't let it go on and on and on. Uh, you know, and, and I've shared this with you in, in days past, but, uh, you know, I, I personally have known people that, uh, you know, I'm thinking of one individual right now who I know beyond a shadow of a doubt it was born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, but somehow now has gotten off and is living an alternative lifestyle and is convinced that they are okay with God convinced that their lifestyle is okay. And somehow in their own heart and in their own minds, they can justify living a same-sex lifestyle when at one time they knew that it was wrong. How? Well, they were probably tempted in that area, maybe gave in to the temptation. And because they didn't deal with that conviction, after a while, their conscience became seared and they no longer were sensitive to that conviction. So again, it's very important, particularly in these last days, that we keep a tender heart before God. Now, the Bible says in the Old Testament, break up the fallow ground. It is our responsibility to keep a tender heart, not God's responsibility. So you and I must make the decision, I am going to remain tenderhearted before God, I'm going to do my very best to obey God, and uh, if, it's, if it's pointed out to me that I am wrong, either by my own conviction or, you know, somebody I love and respect, then I will be quick to repent and quick to adjust and do whatever I need to do to make the situation right, okay? Now, the fourth way that God will lead us, Again, these are, are lower, the farther we go down the list, these are lower in frequency, okay? <clears throat> so this way is not a way that God is going to lead you every day. And the fourth way that God will lead you is by the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit. So you've had the inward witness, the Word of God, the inward witness, the voice of your spirit or your conscience, and now the voice of the Holy Spirit. In this way, uh, God ministers to us, and it is a more authoritative way. It is a stronger way. And um, I've only experienced this probably two or three times in my life as a believer, uh, God having to minister to me this way. Go over to Acts chapter 10, please. Acts chapter 10, and uh, we'll see an example of this in the life of Peter. Acts chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. Now, let me say this to you while you're turning there. Most of the time, when God uses this way of bringing direction into our lives, uh, it is either to bring correction and to get you back on course or maybe to perhaps um, minister to you when there is something down the road that is um, maybe not a, a, a dangerous thing, but something that is down the road, a storm that might be coming uh, that you can be prepared for, okay? Um, look at Acts chapter 10, 
verse uh, 19. Well, let me, let me, I'm going to read verse, verse 19 in just a moment. Let me just kind of lay some groundwork here to help you understand what was going on. Okay. Up to this point in the history of the church, the church is still relatively new, talking about the body of Christ. The Jews had not ministered to the Gentiles at all. They had kept the gospel for the Jews only, ministering to the people in Jerusalem and the surrounding communities. Peter was being directed by the Lord that it was time for the Gentiles to receive the gospel. But you have to understand, at this point, in a Jewish person's mindset, Gentiles were less than. They were looked down upon in the sense of, they were unworthy of the gospel, but it was God's desire that the Gentiles hear the gospel because that opens the door for you and me. But so Peter uh, had not yet gone to minister uh, to the, you remember what Jesus said when he ascended, he said, the Holy ghost will come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me first in Jerusalem, then Judea, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, they had finished the first one, and that was as far as they were going. And it was the will of God that they go beyond Jerusalem and Judea. So God began dealing with Peter, and so Peter was, was staying at a home of a man who was a Roman centurion named Cornelius. He was up on the roof of Cornelius's house, and, and I'm just paraphrasing, and he had a vision. And while he was there, the vision was the sheet was laid down and all of these animals went and walked up on the sheet and the Lord told him, arise and kill and eat. And Peter said to the Lord, Lord, I can't do that because these animals are unclean. They were considered unclean by the Jews and couldn't be eaten. So this happened three times and the Lord answered Peter, and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call unclean. And so what the Lord was trying to get Peter to see was that the price had been paid for the Gentiles and that it was time for the Gentiles to hear the gospel. So again, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 16 says, this was done three times and the object was taken into heaven again. And while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked where, where Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging. And while Peter thought about the vision, he was meditating on this vision. Notice what it says. The spirit said to him, notice it didn't say he had an inward witness. He didn't perceive this. He didn't have an angel visit him. The Bible says that the Spirit spoke to him. Well, you need to understand the Spirit of God does not primarily speak to you in your audible ears. He speaks to you spiritually in your spirit. Okay? So the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And make a long story short, Peter ended up going to minister the gospel at Cornelius's house. 
and Cornelius and his whole household got saved, and they were the first Gentiles to be born again. So the, the Spirit of God can speak to you, and it might seem like it's audible in your natural ears, but it is not. The Holy Spirit is not dwelling out here. He's in here. And he can speak to you so authoritatively that it sounds like it's audible, okay? Um, I've shared this testimony with you before, but at the church I was going to before I started going to our current church, um, I had been gone through a hurtful experience in ministry, and I pretty much decided that I was done with ministry. I wasn't going to, I would be a good Christian. I'd go to church. I would do what I needed to do. And, uh, but I was not going to go into ministry and, or do ministry anymore. And so I was at this particular church. I was singing in the choir. And uh, th that time they had a large choir, over 100 people. And so I was sitting, I can remember it to this day. I was sitting on the front row of the choir in the, the tenor section. And the pastor was preaching, and he's maybe 25 feet in front of me. I mean, he's not far from me at all. And so he's preaching and uh, preaching up a storm. And I remember I was sitting there, and this is, I'd been the, at this particular church for about three years at that point. And uh, I remember, I'm just as clear as day, I'm sitting there watching him preach, and the volume goes down on him speaking. And all of a sudden I heard, what are you going to do about that call on your life? And I'm telling you, it sounded like somebody sitting behind me leaned forward and spoke that into my ear, but I knew better than that. I knew nobody had done that. And uh, the volume stayed down for a little bit. And then all of a sudden it came back up. I, I didn't respond to the question. A few minutes later, the volume went down again. And that the voice spoke to me and said, except it was a little bit stronger. And it said, what are you going to do about that call on your life? And I didn't respond and just sat there. And uh, I'm kind of like Eli and Samuel. Uh, you remember where Samuel, the Lord kept calling out to Samuel. and He'd run in there to Eli and say, hey, did you call me? And finally, say, uh, Eli told Samuel, he said, next time you hear the voice, respond, answer. So it happened a third time. The volume went down, and this voice said a little bit stronger, what are you going to do about that call on your life? And so I had enough sense at this point to respond, and I said, and I knew it was the Lord speaking to me, and I said, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I will obey. And so uh, the volume came back up, and the pastor finished his message and so forth and so on. But I knew that I had heard from the Spirit of God, and that was the Spirit of God speaking to me in my spirit. And I had already, remember I said it, it, he will confirm what's already going on in your spirit, and I knew long-term God was not going to let me sit by and not obey him and follow I mean, in the sense of I could just discard the call that was on my life and not go back into ministry. So I knew that I was going to have to deal with this sooner or later, and I was just putting it off. And uh, the Holy Ghost apparently uh, felt like it was time. And so I had enough sense to, to acknowledge and obey. And then, you know, another three and a half years later, the opportunity afforded to 
for me to transition to where I am now and so forth and so on. And so uh, my point is this, is that it was not a human being speaking to me, but I promise you it sounded as if it, everybody in the room in that auditorium could have heard it. You know, I'm just thankful I had enough presence of mind that I didn't yell out and say something or, or whatever. That would have been kind of embarrassing. But uh, anyway, let me show you this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, please. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Like I said, I've only experienced that a couple of times. While you're turning, I'll just tell this story real quick. I remember when I had, uh, I hadn't been a Christian very long, maybe about a year. I was still very, very, very new in, in the things of God. And uh, there was an opportunity that was presented to me to uh, either go and, and work with my dad where I had worked the year before for, during the summer or to go work at uh, our church summer camp. And uh, I'd been praying about it and praying about it and, you know, just really could not seem to get clear direction. And I remember I was uh, getting ready to, I can't remember if I was getting ready to go to school or what I was doing, but I remember the, just as clear as day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and it was this, uh, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. It sounded audible to me, but it wasn't. And that he just said, uh, call so-and-so and he called the man's name. He said, call so-and-so and tell him you will work at the camp. And so long story short, I ended up working two summers at that camp, but the Lord spoke to me in that way and gave me the direction that I needed. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21 says this, prove all things, hold fast what is good. Okay. The uh, Amplified says, but test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good and to that hold fast. I want to encourage you, do not seek voices. Do not seek to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That happens as he wills, not as you will. So don't, be, don't desire to, you know, have an angel come and visit you or, or have, uh, the Holy Spirit speak to you audibly, so forth and so on, because when you begin to pursue those things, you will open yourself up to the devil and he will accommodate you. The Bible says that he can even appear to people as an angel of light and he will endeavor to deceive you. So do not pursue those things. Those things happen as the Holy Spirit uh, desires and he wills it to come to pass. Okay. Now make a note of this verse, first John chapter five and verse seven, first John five, seven says that there are three that bear witness in heaven, the father, the word, and the Holy spirit. And these three are one. So again, if you ever hear a voice and that voice tells you to do something that's contrary to the written word of God, it was not God. Ignore it, take authority over it, rebuke it and go on. Do not do what it says. You know, how often have we heard where, you know, these horrible tragedies have taken place where people have, uh, you know, shot up schools and buildings and things like that. And, you know, when they came out afterwards, they, they asked them, you know, what motivated you to do this? And they said, well, I heard a voice 
that told me this is what I was supposed to do. And I don't doubt that they've heard a voice, uh, you know, but the fact of the matter is, it, and they'll say, God told me to do this. No, he did not. Okay. So do not pursue after and seek after voices. Let God lead you this way if that is the way he desires to lead you. Do not pursue that. Now, you can pursue the inward witness. You can pursue uh, remaining spiritually sensitive and your conscience, the voice of your spirit being prevalent, but do not seek to hear God's audible voice. That happens if God wants it to happen, okay? Now, how do we become more spiritually sensitive? I want to begin this. I'm obviously not going to be able to finish this tonight, but how do we become more spiritually sensitive? Number one, make the word or give the word of God first place in your life. Give the word of God first place in your life. And there's a couple of different ways you can interpret that. One is, you know, you can make the word, the written word of God, the most important thing in your life. And there's, you should, there's nothing wrong with that. But really the way I want you to interpret this is that the word of God has the final say so in your life. It has the final authority in your life. What I see, what I feel, what I experience, what I hear, all of those take all those things take a second fiddle position to the the written word of God. Okay? So make the decision. If I see it in the word of God, I will orient and adjust my life to fit the word of God. Now the the five physical senses that God gave us are great. And he gave them to us so that we can maneuver in this earth and use some common sense and so forth and so on. But if they contradict the word of God, you disregard what your senses are telling you and you go with the written word of God. Okay. Um, Isaiah 55, just make a note of this. Isaiah 55 verses six through 11. Um, I tell you what, let's turn back there. I feel like we ought to look at it. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to the Lord and he will, he, God will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts. Verse eight are not your thoughts, nor are your ways. My ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now I know a lot of people that stop right there and say, Yes, praise the Lord. God thinks on a whole different level than we think. His ways are so above what we can possibly understand. And that is true if you stop right there, but let's go on. Verse 10, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth 
It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now, what the Lord is saying through Isaiah is this. Yes, my ways are higher than your ways. Yes, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But my word will reveal my thoughts to you and my ways to you. And just like the rain comes down from heaven, through my word, I will reveal my thoughts and ways to you. So we don't have to be ignorant of what God's thoughts and ways are. We can see them clearly in the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Just make a note of it. In the NIV says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the written word of God is supposed to be the foundation for our lives. So don't let the word of God be an afterthought. In other words, you know, you're, you, you've been in dealing with a situation or seeking direction or trying to figure out what to do, and you're in this thing for a couple of two or three weeks, and then finally you, you think to yourself, now I wonder what the Bible says about this. No, let that be the first place you go. I think that's why the Lord... In Isaiah 55, started with, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he's near. So, and you know, another scripture in Jeremiah says, call upon me and I will answer you. And so start with the word of God, go to the word of God. And if you can't find it in the word, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Holy Ghost, bring revelation to me, reveal to me, what does your word say about my situation. Here's the second way to remain spiritually sensitive or to increase your spiritual sensitivity, and that is this. Meditate in the Word of God. Now, I know we talk about this a lot, but it's true. Spend time thinking about the Word of God. Spend time thinking and pondering the Word of God. Get you one verse and chew on that verse, go over and over and over that verse, uh, you know, and just meditate on it. Think about it. Joshua 1.8, the Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. See, spend time thinking about the word. And, I, I, you know, probably some of the best scriptures that I can think of for you to spend time meditating is from the book of Proverbs. You know, take you a couple of verses from the book of Proverbs and think about them, meditate on them, chew on them, go to some of the uh, teachings of Jesus and the gospels and think about them. You know, I, I will tell you this. If I ever read and, you know, and just went doing my Bible reading and I come across something that Jesus is teaching and it's in red. So I know that he's speaking and I don't understand it. You know, there's a couple of things. And as I always tell you, Jesus did not do accidental. He didn't ramble. He didn't mumble. And he, everything he said was on purpose. 
So if I'm not getting what he's saying here, and I know it's him talking, then what I need to do is I need to, first of all, ask for help, get some revelation out of this. And then secondly, spend time thinking about it, going over it and over it and over it and over it to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to bring revelation to my spirit of what he was trying to say to me. Now, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Bless is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, or his word, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I remember I asked the congregation a few weeks ago, and I'll pose the same question to you. If I, if I could tell you a way that you could prosper in everything you do, would you do it? And everybody in the congregation raised their hand and said, yes. I said, okay, here we go. Here's how you do it. And I read these three verses. And again, if you know, we, we just gloss over these things, but when the Bible says, if you will do this, whatever you do shall prosper, God meant what he said. If you will do it, you will prosper. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I could use all the prosperity I could get. All right. And with that, I am out of time. Praise oh, the Lord. <laughs> so praise God. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Yes, sir. All right. Just yes. shared some, some personal experience and hopefully it's given you some insight and, uh, you know, I, I want you and just, you know, as God wants you to be able to fulfill God's plan for your life. And, uh, again, it is not the will of God that we just be fumbling around in the dark, trying to figure out what to do, where to go and so forth and so on. It is time that we do some things on purpose. It's time that we have some knowing down here in our spirits, what God's will plan and purpose is. And we make the decision and we intentionally walk it out in our lives. It's time for that. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.